Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO and I have a confession to make. I actually think that small institutions are places where innovation can happen in the space of marketing. And I think that those institutions give you a lot of flexibility to explore areas that are not traditionally within the realm of marketing. And so this conversation with Devin Perkison, who is one of the most remarkable higher ed marketers that I know and somebody that I consider a dear friend, is going to appear on this episode to talk about how he has integrated marketing marketing and student care into one function, one role within the institution. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, a podcast that empowers higher ed marketers to bring innovation, creativity, and excellence to their work. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt. Join me every two weeks for discussions with some of the best minds in higher education marketing. Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO is part of the Nullify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher educational professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. I am so thrilled to be here with Devin Perkison, who is a great friend and somebody I've known for quite a while now. Um, Devin is the executive director of marketing and student care at Forsyth Technical Community College, and he works with one of my favorite leaders in higher ed. Um, Welcome to the show, Devin. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Jamie. I am thrilled to be here. Super, super honored. I am so excited to have you on the show. I mentioned a little bit earlier that Devin works for one of my favorite higher ed leaders, Janet Spriggs. And you shared some really exciting news on LinkedIn today, which will, of course, not be today um, in, <laughs> when people are listening. But tell us a little bit about your most recent accomplishment there at Foresight Tech. Yeah, so we, we're super, super thrilled to announce that this spring, spring 2024, is the highest enrollment that we've had in 10 years. Uh, and so this is just really a testament to not just one team or one individual. Um, This is everyone coming together synergistically and really focusing on student success and making a difference in in that way. We've 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 worked very, very hard and um, it's just really nice to see this uh, payoff in this way. So we're, we're, we're thrilled. It's absolutely tremendous, especially when you think about all the headlines right now about community college enrollment just taking a nosedive all over the country for Forsyth Tech to be like growing is just absolutely tremendous. And I'm super excited to talk with you about some of the things that you're doing. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey? In the past, I've had to to really, you know, sometimes put up bumpers for my career journey just because I don't have that traditional, you know, I didn't go to undergrad and get uh, a degree in journalism or communication. Um, I went to undergrad and got a degree in theology. 
And then after that bachelor's degree in theology, I enrolled in seminary and I completed a master's of divinity. Um, and so when, whenever you hear that piece and when you hear that educational foundation, you don't think, oh, marketing, marketing guy. Um, and so, so, you know, I've, I've had to, I've had to sort of learn to be really proud of, of that educational, uh, background and that, that foundation that I have. Um, but yeah, so I, I started in, in a, an academic realm and made my way into marketing. Um, one of the ways that I did that, I, I sort of had a photography business on the side that is how I paid for myself to go to college um, wow. is through, through that photography bu- business. I did photography, videography, weddings and, and, you know, um, senior sessions and proms and, and all of those different things. And when I graduated from my undergrad, uh, Piedmont International University uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the director of marketing saw, hey, this guy takes really good pictures and he's kind of young. I <laughs> bet he would be a good social media coordinator. And so I started working at my alma mater. I started doing uh, social media work and that quickly, uh, that just sparked this new found love. I loved higher ed. Clearly, I, I like the academic part of it. Right. Uh, but I, I really like had a new look into the administration side and into the enrollment management and into the, the marketing of higher education. And I really began to love that. I, I quickly um, became the director of marketing at that institution. And then uh, in 2020, I started working at Forsyth Tech. Uh, and so I've been here for um, about three and a half years, and I absolutely love what I do. I love the people that I work with. I love the school that I work for. I love higher ed. I love marketing. And I just feel like the luckiest person in the world because I get to really do what I love. So I that love that's a little bit about me and a little bit about my my history. I love that. I I love that you kind of came through a non-traditional path. And when I say non-traditional, I mean, I feel like at least half of the people I've interviewed on this podcast started out in journalism, at least right. half, and then like realized there's like no way to make a living in journalism yeah. or, or the mass layoffs or whatever caught us and we pivoted into marketing. But I love you. I think you're the first person I've talked to on this podcast that came through seminary. So yeah. I think that's super cool. And little known fact, and this is like, I'm not sure (laughs) why I'm sharing this, but I actually considered going to seminary myself um, when I was in my 20s and getting a master's of divinity. I know, I know. Um, I didn't, and I don't really regret that now, but. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally (laughs) understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so your, your job is really interesting because I don't think I've talked to anyone yet that has that sort of merger between marketing and student care. And when you think about it, it makes total sense. But how do you see those two areas complementing each other? And were they integrated when you started at Forsyth Tech or did you sort of evolve into that role? Yeah, no. So such a great question. This is it's it's honestly one of my favorite things my title, marketing and student care, because it always raises that question, wait a second, what is student care? Yeah. And how does that have anything to do with marketing? Right. This was not something that I, uh, you know, stepped into at Forsyth Tech. 
it was something that we as an institution saw a need for um, and our president really backed us up on that and, and then gave us the resources to make it possible. So um, let me just give a, a quick overview about what student care is and what that means uh, in the context of Forsyth Tech. Um, so we almost look at our student care team as kind of like a concierge service. So oh. this is this is like customer service. This is this is that front line. This is the first line of defense for our institution. So phone calls, chats on our website, emails, people walking in to our front door. These are the this is the team that sort of takes care of all of that. Our student care representatives, they're amazing because they have such a copious amount of knowledge. The, the reason that, that, that this, this team was, was sort of born is because we realized that what was happening was a lot of people were, were coming for a financial aid issue or they had a question about a class that they needed to take or their application status. And they would call and, and they would get, you know, put over here and sent over here and, and all of these different, you know, it wasn't streamlined. It wasn't what our students are used to from a normal customer service experience. Yeah. And so we, we decided that we wanted to create a team that could sort of basically handle 80% of all inquiries that came in. And then, uh, you know, the 20% that we can't handle, we escalate to, yeah. to financial aid or we escalate to um, an advisor or to, to a, a student service. So uh, this was basically for us a deepening of the marketing funnel. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those things where, you know, we had we had heavily, you know, changed our strategy with digital marketing. We had, you know, revamped our website and things of that nature. And we really wanted to say, like, okay, not only are we going to, like, put these people, you know, put them through a campaign and, like, they're going to apply and enroll in class, but, like, what's that next step? Yeah. What is, what is the next piece? What is, and so um, that's really how the student care team was born. Uh, we are here for our students. We are here to answer questions or um, you know, help them with, with any, anything that they need. Uh, that, that is, that is sort of the way that we look, we, we look at it kind of like a white glove service. Uh, it's a personalized experience for our students. And, um, we have just been, it's, it's been very, very rewarding to see this come together and conflate with marketing. We've, we just really enjoyed it. I love that. And I love what you said about deepening the funnel. Cause I feel like too often in higher ed, the marketing office is solely focused on recruitment and we're right. not thinking about retention, but in any other business, right. In mm -hmm. any other kind of industry, we know that retention of customers is quote unquote cheaper than getting new customers. Now exactly. we don't have the luxury of just having existing customers, right? Cause right. they only need our product for, you know, two to four to six or eight years at the most. Um, right. So we're constantly having to feed that cycle of new customers. But yeah, that that retention piece, it sounds like you guys put just a lot of intentional effort into thinking that through and how that would look. Absolutely. It it was definitely something that we had to scale. Um, you know, at this moment, we have 14 student care representatives 
um, we've got a student care coordinator and then a student care director that reports to me. And that, that, is, that is not how we, we came out of the gate. Uh, if, if you know, that's a lot of human resources that we've, that we've scaled up to. Uh, but uh, we, really, we really modeled after some like contact centers uh, mm. We looked at we looked at the way, honestly, the way that that customers interact with any other company. You know, yeah. um, you know, whenever you have an issue with Amazon, you know, how how do you get in contact with them, and how is that is that seamless? Is it is it annoying? Is it is it hard to do? And so so we looked at some of these things, the user experience that students and and adults and customers, uh, you know, for site tech customers. Um, have in the real world and said, how can we, how can we put that into the higher education space? Um, so yeah, that, that was really the, that was really the impetus, the impetus for that. You know, we wanted to reduce the friction that students felt as they were, uh, you know, moving through the funnel at Forsyth Tech, as well as becoming, you know, a successful student, you know, at retaining, persisting uh, throughout their courses. And we, we said, like, how can we how can we design that user experience in this way? I think a lot of a lot of people in industry would connect user experience and marketing in some mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. But higher ed has been really slow yeah. uh, to that. And so we're not doing it perfectly. We have so much room to grow. But that 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 is the that's where that's where we're headed. Hey all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take a moment to thank my friends at MindPower who are making season two of this Enrollify podcast possible. MindPower is a full service marketing and branding firm celebrating nearly 30 years of needle moving, thought provoking, research fueled creative and strategy. MindPower is woman founded and owned, WBENC certified, nationally recognized, and serves the social sector, higher education, healthcare, nonprofits, and more. The MindPower team is made up of strategists, storytellers, and experienced creators. From market research to brand campaigns to recruitment to fundraising, the agency exists to empower clients, amplify brands, and help institutions find a strategic way forward. You can learn more about their work in the world by heading on over to MindPower Inc. That's M-I-N-D-P-O-W-E-R-I-N-C.com. And be sure to tell the crew that Jamie sent you their way. Another place I think is doing that really freshly is University of Montana, where Jenny mm. Petty is now also over, I believe, alumni relations and human resources. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking more cradle to grave uh, for a student. Yes. You know? And that's something um, at, when I was at UW Oshkosh, the executive director of marketing um, at that time to whom I reported was a she ended up having alumni relations report to her too for that. But when you think about the current student pop and all the, the services that they need and all the barriers that they have to success, having more offices dedicated to kind of reducing that friction just seems like such a smart way to do things. And I imagine, you know, for community college students, some of those barriers are a little bit unique. And can you talk a little bit about what some of those are? Absolutely. So the, the, great thing and the difficult thing about community college students is that there's not uh one kind you know as marketers we do a lot of um persona creation mm -hmm. uh 
you know, we, we do it here for SciTech as well in our in our marketing efforts, but we we know how difficult it is because our students are, you know, our youngest graduate last May was 16 years old. Our oldest graduate wow. last May was 77 years old. So oh, that's cool. It's just it's just, you know, the, the entire gamut of of age, of um, digital literacy, financial barriers exist uh, for our students, like like every other college, community college, university in our in our country. Um, transportation barriers. Uh, we have a lot of tra- you know we're a commuter campus. We don't have on campus housing, so we have a lot of transportation barriers that students have. Um, as well as uh, you know we have a large number of first generation college students. Um, I was a first-generation college student. I actually, my first year of college was at Forsyth Tech. Full oh, that's circle. so cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I graduated high school, and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was, I was sort of um, feeling things out, and I came to Forsyth Tech. I uh, took a year of general education classes. They transferred into my bachelor's degree, and it was, it was a wonderful experience. Um, but you know, a lot of first generation college students. So, so people that have not been a part of a college going culture. So the vocabulary that we use, the language that, that is, is, you know, all over our websites and things like that are not common to everyone. Uh, It's, it's not, you know, understandable, just, just outright. And so um, those are, uh, those are just, uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg of some of the barriers that our students face a couple of the ways that our student care team has really come in and, and helped that is, you know, we're there to answer questions about everything that the college experience can handle. Financial aid questions, you know, what is financial aid? What is the FAFSA? What, what, how do I apply for that? What, what does that look like? What is the cycle? You know, all of those types of questions. Um, what is, what is my school code? I don't know what this means. What if, what if my parents don't have a social security number? What do right. I do? You know, what, right. what if what if I don't have a social security number? Yeah. What do I do? Um, and so uh, we we really, you know, we 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 have taken that understanding of our students, of our demographics. Um, you know, we've got adult learners. We've got uh, you know we we've got a lot a lot of emph- emphasis that we've we've recently been doing on adult learner marketing because. You know, um, you know the, these are these are students that, that have families. They have yeah. they have children. They have childcare needs. They have, um, you know, the 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 modality of learning might have to change for students that have some of those um, those life circumstances. So uh, we've we've just really embraced that. We love that about community college. We love the diversity that we have in that. Um, but it does create a challenge. And, and so student care is, is one of the ways that we have sought to, to help, you know, solve that, those challenges. And I think I have heard you talk before about this, but can you touch a little bit on how AI is helping you with serving students? Absolutely. We uh, have been very, very, lucky to have an AI chat bot on our website. Um, and when I say very lucky, I mean, the timing was very lucky. As you know, in March, 
ChatGPT, this random thing called ChatGPT, just just burst into the the global scene and became the the hottest topic and the hottest trend that anyone could ever talk about. Uh, and our our uh, CRM uh, heavily invested in the company, uh, heavily invested in artificial intelligence and. We were coming out of a website redesign. So, you know, we've got a fresh, brand new, you know, just swaddled, you know, in the incubator <laughs> baby website. You know what I mean? Um, just, you know, with that, without any impurities or any trauma or any, you know, any of those things. So, ten fingers, um, ten toes. Right? Ten, yes, absolutely. Like, just bright-eyed, you know. And... Um, so we were able to, you know, a, a piece of the, 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 the chatbot, the AI chatbot is that it crawls your website. And if, if this would have come out six months before, we would have never installed it on our, on our website because our website was a, a mess. It, was, it yeah. was just, you know, a jungle. And so the chatbots are only as good as the content that you feed it. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had a fresh brand new website. Uh, this, this technology had just, just come out. And so, uh, we were able to load our website in, we were able to, um, add, you know, uh, we hired someone as a knowledge management, uh, specialist. This is something that I think is really unique. Uh, we actually hired this, this position out of our need with student care, because as I mentioned, huge, huge, knowledge uh base that they need yeah how do you how do you upskill that quickly well you have to have you have to have a really good knowledge base this is not something this information is not something that we expect them to memorize or anything like that so you have to have a good knowledge base but a knowledge base is not something that you can just create and leave it's just like the website it's just like you know your digital marketing campaigns um Mm -hmm. you can't just set it and forget it so this was something that we said, okay, we, we've got to hire someone who can go out, make connections with other campus partners and create this knowledge base, but then maintain that knowledge base. So uh, this position came, came through, we got that approved, our leadership approved that position for us. And then the chat bot came and then our new website came. And so it was just all within like this two month period of everything just sort of falling together perfectly into place. And um, so our knowledge base management specialist uh, really takes the lead on monitoring all of the chats that come in from the chat bot and making sure that we have, uh, you know, a, a great knowledge base for that chat bot to, to sort of base its answers on. So let's say that a chat comes in and it asks a question and the chat bot is like, I don't know the answer to that. Well, then we're able to then load in an article that explains that, that answer and, and, then, and then make sure that, that the chat bot has been doing those things. Since we have implemented that chat bot about six months ago, um, we have seen a 24% decrease in call volume. Uh, wow. And that has been like, so, so like I'm, I had mentioned our student care team. Um, actually, I don't think I mentioned this, Jamie. Uh, our student care team 
the age of our student care team, we're about a year and a half old. So, so this has only been something that we've been doing for about a year and a half, maybe, well, I guess at this point, almost two years, we're about maybe a year and nine months. And so we've, we've been here only for, for a short period. You're still, um, is, you're, is you're in your, your toddler years with your, with yes. Your, yeah. Let's keep, let's keep that analogy. You know, I love <laughs> <Right>? it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we don't have a lot of data to like track call volume and things like that. But from the call volume that we do have, the, the data that we do have, we are able to see a 24% decrease. And um, our student care representatives, what this allows them to do is, is not answer questions like, when's the next semester start? Um, and things like that, that the chatbot can easily answer. But it allows them to be able to answer questions that might need more uh, hands-on help or or th- there are more nuances um, yeah. that our student care team needs. So we've, we've had amazing, amazing success with our with our AI chatbot. It's been something that has, uh, I-, I think, just over and over and over again from an efficiency standpoint and from uh, the ability to help students get the information they need. Uh, it's just been, it's been miraculous, you know. Uh, Unlike our student care reps, it can be on 24-7-365. Right. Uh, and so that has been that has been just just wonderful for us. Um, we we're we're just really, really happy with it. Hey, it's Jamie Hunt, and I want to personally invite you to the industry's hottest event this summer, the Engage Summit, hosted in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th. The Engage Summit is your roadmap for AI readiness in higher education. Sessions will focus on cutting-edge AI applications that are reshaping student outreach, enhancing staff productivity, and offering deep insights into ROI. This isn't your typical conference. It's a strategic summit where you'll learn from the best about leveraging AI and digital strategies in higher ed marketing. Imagine two days filled with hands-on sessions, real success stories, and the chance to network with top minds in the field. You'll leave with practical, transformative takeaways as you learn how AI fosters a more personalized, efficient approach, from recruitment to student success. Oh, and the best part? The Engage Summit is incredibly affordable. Use the discount code Enrollify50 and you can register for just $99. So join your favorite Enrollify network creators at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. We can't wait to see you there. Hello listeners, Mallory Wilsey here, Chief Producer of the Enrollify Network. So, everyone is talking about AI these days, but not enough people are taking the time to unpack how AI will impact the future of higher education. And that's why we launched the Generation AI Podcast, co-hosted by Artis Kadu, CEO of Element 451, and JC Bonilla, Chief Data Officer at VaynerMedia. Artis and JC have worked on large language models for nearly two decades and have remarkable technical knowledge around how they work and how generative AI will impact the future of higher ed. Generation AI isn't just about understanding artificial intelligence. It's about being part of the AI revolution in education. Tune in, get informed, and be inspired to innovate in your educational space with the power of artificial intelligence. 
You can subscribe to the show by visiting podcast.enrollify.org or just search Generation AI wherever you get your podcasts. I think that every institution needs an AI chatbot. I, and I realize I'm speaking yes. from a place where we don't currently have one, but we had one at a previous institution way back in my olden days when I was at Winston-Salem <laughs> State. And yes. we saw the same thing, 36% fewer inbound calls as a result of bringing this chatbot up. And we actually then... Um, rolled out what we call the retention bot that was focused on answering the questions for the current students and an admission bot that was focused on answering the questions for admissions. But now I'm sure, because that was like 2017 or something, um, that you can just have one bot and not have to have like these two separate uh, things that it crawls. But if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you will have heard me say get an AI chatbot. Yes, absolutely. I concur. It has been, um, it has paid for itself over and over again. Just, just in the, uh, you know, it does this thing where it calculates like time saved 36,000 minutes at the last time I checked. I mean, that is, that is amazing. That is amazing. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Listen to Jamie, get yourself (laughs) an AI chatbot y'all. Well, you mentioned something that I think is probably particularly true about the demographic at community colleges, but is not exclusive to community colleges. And that is that the chatbot's able to be on 24-7, 365. And for people who have jobs, people who have, you know, jobs and kids where they're not able to get to their computer until eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, having a tool where they can still get the answers to their questions without having to send an email or leave a voicemail and hope you get a call back. I mean, truly customer service is completely changed now that there's chatbots. Like I don't chatting with Amazon, chatting mm-hmm. with rent the runway, chatting with blue apron, you know, you're right. getting this customer service experience that is so much better than like, Oh shoot, their call center closed at seven. Right. I guess I'll call tomorrow. Okay. Well, tomorrow came and went and I forgot. Let me call the next, you know, it's, yes. it just saves everybody so much time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and especially those that end at like crazy hours, like five, like when we want to get off work, I'm right. like, Oh, I, I, like, I understand it from that perspective, but we, you're right. We just, we have been tra- in this day and age, we have been trained, um, to really want and need that, that support whenever, whenever we pick up our phones. So, uh, this is, this has been something that has allowed us to do that without straining us to, you know, impossible limits from a, from a human resource perspective. We, we found, um, ways at Miami to actually have the chat bot, um, like preserve with cookies who visited the page that the next time that you visit, it's like, Hey, you know, thanks for coming back. If you chatted with the bot or it is able to connect it to your record in the CRM. So if it couldn't answer the question, it can email you the answer, that kind of thing. That's exact. So that's exactly the same way that it works for us. Our CRM, you know, it asks them to put in their, their email address. It will connect those email addresses. And then it's able to add that as a record on, on their profile. So we can see, okay, this, the student has asked about financial aid three times. Maybe we should, maybe we should reach out to them and, and see what's going on. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really a wonderful, wonderful tool. Uh, and 
it, it, it sits within our, our student care team. It sits within our student care team because we consider um, our student care team to be a contact center. So not a call center, mm. but a contact center. You know, I love that. When someone submits on a digital ad a request for information, they give their phone number, their email address, and their, their cell phone number. You know, maybe uh, we will ask for their intended major or if they're on our nursing page, it lets us know this person asked for information while they're on your nursing page. Our CRM creates a task for our student care representative to then reach out to that student. So then, you know, our student care rep can text that student, hey, I see where you're interested in our distribution and logistics uh, management program. Uh, what questions can I answer for you? Um, so, so that is sort of that human element. Plus, we have automated workflows that they go through. So um, it, it's sort of like layering those two, the, the automation and the human connectivity on that. I, Jamie, I'm so sorry. I have... I feel like I have taken our conversation <laughs> about student care and turned it into like workflow and CRM combo. So um, I am but, so sorry. Not well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a conversation I had just yesterday, and hopefully, listeners will see why I'm making this connection um, about. They had almost no budget for marketing. It was yeah. um, graduate program directors from one of our colleges who were like, how can you help us? We have no money, but please help us. And one of the things that I talked about was, you know, we can create inquiry forms where we can collect the data from the students. Are you willing to take that information every single day and immediately respond to those inquiries. And if you are, you will be ahead of the majority of the graduate programs that they're looking at at nonprofit institutions. For-profits have this figured out. Oh, they yeah. know. It's mm -hmm. like uh, uh, my friend Joel Lee, who's at UNC Greensboro, was at a for-profit for a while. And I think he told me once that their time from inquiry to phone call was an average of eight minutes. Like, <sighs> And they, I believe they had people who were able to make those calls up until like nine o'clock at night. And like, that's what we're competing against, right? Like right. We, and that's what people expect. If I contact Amazon, I'm not waiting three to five business days. I'm, I'm not really wanting to wait three to five business minutes. Yes, you know? exactly. Yes. <laughs> and, like, and, I'm a prime customer. Excuse me. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Right. Um, but let's not even talk about how prime has like degraded over the years. But For real. One, <laughs> one of the faculty members or, or program chairs was talking about, he's like, I saw a study that said something like 80% of students um, will go to the school that accepts them first. And that is something that my husband, who was on the podcast a while ago, um, Dave has said, there's like, I think a Ruffalo Noel Levitz or somebody who did a study that's like 80% of students go with the first school that accepts them if wow. they're non-traditional. And there's some huge percentage that will like really, really consider a school above others based on that concierge experience. And I know from mm -hmm. my graduate program, it was con it was white glove. It was, they registered for you. Yes. They were like, here's like, here's the classes, tell us what you want and we will get you into those classes. It was Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's another, another factor that, that helped us sort of build our case for the student care team. You know, you've got these schools that they'll literally pay to have your transcript. Right. From another school, you know, right. sent to them. 
So, so like the, that's who we're competing with. Um, that's, that's who, you know, uh, is sort of, I don't want to say stealing our students, but like that, that's, that's, that's what we're up against. And mm-hmm. so, um, we have to evolve. If not, if not, we might not have seen the increase that we have. We know that that's the reality. And if we want to continue to be competitive in the higher ed space and in, in, you know, um, you know, our, our, our vision is to be a catalyst for equitable economic mobility, Mm. empowering lives and transforming communities. Those are our students. This is our community. We know that there's no silver bullet to poverty, but if there is one, it's probably education. And so we, we are going to do we're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at that because that is, that is important. That is important. Our students are important. Our students are worth it. They are worth it, Jamie, you know that. And so this is, this is really the the heart of our institution sort of being laid out into a marketing, marketing and, and student care plan. I'm actually feeling a little bit emotional right now when you say our students are worth it because that is something that feels like it is just missing sometimes Mm -hmm. at some institutions. I've been in rooms where there have been faculty who have said, if the student's not prepared, they don't belong here. They, you know, and that's like, can we acknowledge that it may not be their fault? that they're not prepared. It might be their school district. It might be their family of origin. It might be their financial situation. It might be that they had some sort of health crisis or someone in their family had a health crisis. It might be their school district just didn't offer that or the teacher that taught it just wasn't good. And so saying, well, that person doesn't deserve to have a chance at achieving their dreams. It's just, it's garbage. It's garbage. Absolutely. I I, I can't stand it. So when you said our students are worth it, it was like, yes, every single student deserves the opportunity to fulfill their potential. 100%. You, where I met you, Jamie, was at, I, in my opinion, the best, most premier HBCU in the country, Winston-Salem State. Agree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, Chancellor Elwood uh, is just one of the most amazing human beings I have ever had the privilege of, of meeting. And uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm so proud of the work that you did there and proud of Winston-Salem State. But as you know, working in a historically black college or university, the side of the highway that you're born on mm-hmm. can make such a difference on the trajectory of your life. And so this is something that we are, we're working as hard as we can here in community colleges to really, you know, be a catalyst for change be a catalyst for change in in those ways. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I I just think about my parents, um, were so about education from the time I was little, they were like, you are going to college. That is it. When I was in first grade, I said I was going to go to law school. Um, you know, like very much like you are going to college. I was the first person of my family to graduate from college first person to get a master's degree. My sister just got one, but until then I was the only one with a master's degree. Um, and, but, but their choice was they could choose, um, they, they didn't have a lot of money, but there was a really good school district that had a footprint, 
like a little about a third of the the enrollment was in I would say quote unquote the wrong side of the tracks, which is a bit of yeah. an exaggeration. But so I grew up there, but had the privilege of going to a school that had absolutely tremendous like electives my husband didn't have at his private university in college, you know, wow. like amazing stuff. And it, it, it to your point about being, you know, if we had lived maybe I think probably like maybe six blocks in one direction, I would have been at a school that wouldn't have had those same resources. And maybe I wouldn't have been as prepared to go to the University of Minnesota or be as prepared to get good scores on the ACTs, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And those things, kids can't control that. Right. At all. Yeah. You got me riled up. I'm fired up. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I know this is a relatively new, you know, you said it's a in its toddler phase, but have you, and you've already talked about how you've had success with, with having your spring class be the largest enrollment or the spring enrollment be your largest enrollment. Are you seeing yet any um, like retention or uh, completion rates that have been impacted by the student care approach? Absolutely. And, and this is something that is really a institution-wide shift. So um, student care is definitely a, a piece of that puzzle, but um, from our leadership top down, you know, Dr. Spriggs, she, she started here in 2019. Um, and so she really changed a, a bit of the culture here at Forsyth Tech um, to really be student focused, to be a student success focused school. Um, and something that we have seen in the last the last year, we've seen about uh, we, we've we've maintained or we've gone up a percentage point or two in retention, but our completion rate this past year, in comparison to the year before, was nine percent higher. Wow! And so that that's huge for community colleges because um, historically, community college completion rates, their graduation rates look very poor because people will will do kind of like what I did and they'll come for a year they'll get some classes and then they'll transfer into another degree program before actually completing an associate's degree and so that has just been something that we have been really really pleased about um, one thing that I would love to mention I, so we were just named an achieving the dream leader school which, in the community college world is like huge. Wow. And it's it's one of those things where we have to really prove strategies and metrics of student success and retention and completion. And this has been something that Dr. Spriggs has been working on since the moment that she started here. She's really infused that within our leadership, within the organization. And we're just so pleased that Forsyth Tech is an achieving the dream leader school. That's um, awesome. And so, yeah, this is this is the, the retention and the completion efforts that that we have that we've put in place. Um, we're we're really pleased with it, and and I, I can't deny that I think that our student care team has a lot of of credit that they're owed for for a lot of that. Oh, I have no doubt, and I know I mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast that. I'm such an admirer of Dr. Spriggs. Um, I met her when I was at Winston-Salem State when she was first, um, for when she first got there and have kind of stayed in touch with her over the years. And I knew from the moment I met her that there was something different about her, that she yes. was 
in this role because this is where she wanted to be and she wanted to make a difference and she wanted to help students and she wanted to make an experience that allowed students to fulfill their potential and that none of it was about climbing a ladder and it was like you are so lucky to work for someone who's just like so authentically about the mission of the institution and I know there's lots of presidents all over the country you can say that about but Mm -hmm. there's many you can't there's many who are looking for the next thing or wanted the prestige and she's in it for the students and you're so lucky to work for her I'm I'm overjoyed for you thank you I I feel the exact same way you know I think one of the most special things about Dr. Spriggs is that she she walks the walk like you mentioned She she grew up on a tobacco farm. She was the first person in her family to go to college. Uh, she went to a community college. That's where she started. And, uh, you know, when she finished her bachelor's degree, she was well within like married and, and children and things of that nature. So she can not only, um, you know, speak to our students but she can empathize with them because she yeah. knows exactly where they've been. She she was that student. And so um, it's just really, really remarkable. And I, I like, you're exactly right, Jane. I feel so lucky to work for Janet Spriggs. Um, Dr. Spriggs is amazing. I, I'm saying like Janet Spriggs for president in yes. 2028. Like, can we make Let's that happen? Yeah, can she do both? Yeah, it would be such a loss to Forsyth Tech into the Winston-Salem community for, for Janet to, to move to any other role. But I like to think that if she's president of the United States, the whole world would benefit. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, so, my goodness. So you talked a little bit about this earlier, but having um, to have like these different types of, of learners, right? You have the students who maybe they're, they're just graduated from high school and they don't yet know what they want to do. And so they want to start at Forsyth Tech. You have like you mentioned the 77 year old graduate. Um, when you're marketing to this diverse of a range of people, how do you really um, tailor your marketing strategies to appeal to them? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, What we've had to do is we have had to be very creative and very strategic with the way that we spend for marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I came from a school that uh, was very digital focused, which is which is great. I mean, obviously, um, someone is listening to this podcast on uh, on a phone uh, through through a digital means and through a digital medium. Uh, but uh, what we did with the digital, we sort of replaced any other kind of marketing. Um, so we've had to be very very diverse in not just digital media, but print media and community partnerships and mm-hmm. um, out of home. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, advertising and marketing, because you know not every student is going to see your ad on Facebook. You know we we have a service area of Forsyth and Stokes County, and Stokes County is is right above Forsyth County. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful part of North Carolina, and they have really poor internet connectivity rates. Mm. I, I I can't I can't you know put my money on someone in Stokes County seeing a Facebook ad or, yeah. or an Insta or a Snapchat or Instagram or a TikTok. 
you know, we have to really invest in how are people in that community consuming um, information? How are they consuming things? So, so we've had to be very, very creative uh, with those with those ways and really diversify our our marketing tactics. But here's the difference. We now are able to track a lot of those things in ways that we had never been able to before digitally. So mm. I'll give you an example. I was approached about some gas station advertising. I was like, huh, that's very interesting. You know, this would be, we would have an ad above the pump. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're pumping your gas and, and you see an ad there. Um, and I was like, this is, this is something that, I, that I'm interested in doing. I created the advertisements. I created a unique landing page for each advertisement with unique language, you know, that was specific to the area that the gas station was in. And we placed them and we, we let them run for about six months. I was able to put each QR code, each, each landing page had a, had a unique form. So I could see exactly how many people got on that page, exactly how many people from that ad put in their information. And after about six months, we saw that it was zero. Wow. There, there no one, no, yeah. like we had some traffic. Like literally zero. zero. Not one submission. So, so this, you know, if, if, if I wasn't able to track, first off, it could have been the greatest idea in the world. You mm-hmm. know, it, it could have been exactly what we needed uh, in that rural area. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been perfect. But I would never have been able to track it if I didn't have the digital underpinning that we have, you know, or I could have just kept it and said, oh, well, I think it's working. Right. And we just right. keep, we just keep paying that, <laughs> right. you know, out of out of home fee. So um, we, we've been very, very targeted. So so, you know, making sure that the the strategies that we are deploying are having a return. Um, so that's been su- super huge, but also diversifying those to not just be a marketing, cent- a digital centric um, marketing campaign or a, a male centric marketing campaign. Could you imagine um, or, or anything like that, but really diversifying those having an underpinning of, of digital um, reporting and analytics. I, I love that your example ended with, and it wasn't working. I mean, I actually <laughs> love that because I think, A, all too often we are unwilling to admit when things don't work. We'll, like right. we'll just sort of say like, well, it must have worked or whatever. Um, but two, that you gave it a chance, that you tried something new and different. And when it didn't work, you pivot away from it. And that's something I think we get. I know I personally, I'm speaking as me, Jamie Hunt, to say that I get a little nervous about quote unquote failure because mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there can be this like, well, you tried that and it failed and now there's this like negative viewpoint, but you don't know until you try. Exactly. How would exactly. you know that gas station, if gas station ads in a rural county would work or not? There's there's no real way to know that. And I love that you tracked that and figured that out. 100%. When you look ahead, what are your future plans or goals and how do you think that they're going to impact student success. So what is on your horizon? I, I know you, Devin, that we've known each other for a long time. We actually met through Case. Um, yes. And um, I, so I know you. I know that you're not just going to like let things run the way they've been running because everything's going great. I know you have future plans. So what are they? Absolutely. Uh, we, 
my my future goals are to really really expand into the the student experience so you know student care right now we we really focus we, we focus on every every kind of student like if you're a current student if you're a prospective student if you're an alumni we're here to help in, in any of those ways but i really really want to deepen what we're doing in as far as student experience you had mentioned cradle to grave. Like I, I really, really want to encapsulate that um, uh, in smart, efficient ways that really, really help students. So I think uh, our future is going to be looking toward, um, you know, how can we leverage AI more? How can we how can we use those tools to help our students to help efficiency? I love technology, and I, I think that we I, I have a great leadership that loves technology and is open to exploring and and deepening those those resources so um, definitely want to see that uh, the student experience uh, come into play a lot more we have such high goals for completion rates um, that is something that we are really really passionate about don't get me wrong I love that we are at the highest enrollment that is amazing we love it but if in next semester, you know, all those students leave, we weren't successful. We weren't successful. So um, we're going to be really digging into student success. Um, how can we ensure that the students that we have are getting the resources that they need to complete and be a successful student? We want we to take them as far as they can go um, and, and help support that. So remove those barriers. So I, I absolutely love that. And I would love to hear what advice you have for the people who are listening. So, you know, hundreds of people listen to, are listening to you right now who may be thinking, how do I get in on this, um, this, this student care aspect? How do I yeah. make that part of my role? What advice would you give to someone for making that case? So so that's a great question. And, and the first thing that you really have to do is you have to have buy-in from, from your president, from your cabinet, from uh, the executive leadership that you have. Um, that was something that we, that, that took, I would say took the longest piece for us, you know, it, sort of developing that case for support. Um, if, if you know what I mean, like, mm -hmm. you know, looking at our call history and call volume and, and some of, some of the, the deficiencies that we had there. Um, after displaying that and then you know proposing our plan you know this is a this is something that requires a lot of human resources um, this is this is an investment um, from your institution so this is not something that that is you know cheap to do right. this is not something that is necessarily easy to do um, so so we we started with a small team and we started with uh, you know, a couple of positions, but then we, we started to, to devise a plan of, okay, so right now we're only going to be answering incoming calls. And then we took over our advising mm. student, student success. So then we were like, okay, we're getting a couple people. Oh, you've got a couple of admin positions and student, student success. So what if, what if we take those positions into student care and then we will we'll take your calls. So mm -hmm. then we started to take that and then financial aid. 
and then our Forsyth Tech Cares, which is our holistic wraparound student support system. So then we started taking their calls and sort of help. So it was it was not something that was that was a flip of the switch. It was something that was really staggered, um, scalable. Uh, we 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 started small and then we grew. So I, I would definitely say if if you're looking to implement a student experience, student care, a student concierge type customer experience department in, in your institution, get that leadership buy-in, prove why you think that this is needed, and then start small and see, make a plan of how you can grow and add pieces and things like that. Don't, how do you eat an elephant? One right. bite at a time, one yep. bite at a time. So, so that's my advice. This is, this is something that, that you should just, um, you know, be, have have a vision, but be patient. I, I think this is going to be super useful advice for people. I feel confident that somebody might want to get in touch with you to ask you questions and pick your brain. Where can people find you? Uh, absolutely. Um, would love that. Uh, people can find me on LinkedIn, Devin Ferguson. Um, it's kind of like Ferguson with a P. Uh, <laughs> hope, just, just, just copy and paste from from this <laughs> podcast description. Uh, trust me, people. And then, uh, so you can find me there on LinkedIn, but you can also find me on Twitter at Devin Ferguson. Um, so I, I look forward to connecting with you there. I am confident that people will want to chat. Um, if you'd like to chat with me, as always, you can find me on LinkedIn at Jamie Hunt, J-A-I-M-E. Uh, I'm still kind of on Twitter, refuse to call it X, uh, J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C there. And I have been doing a, a little bit with uh, TikTok. So you can find me there at The Higher Ed CMO um, if you want to kind of see what I'm up to and what I'm ranting about these days. I'm, I'm feeling feisty these days. So I'm going out on a limb and saying things that I think need to be said. And I feel like that's my my responsibility with this platform comes that responsibility so i'm out there doing that um but i i hope to hear from you as always you can always use the hashtag hire at cmo uh, if you want to join in a social conversation about this and until then let's go bust some silos confessions of a higher ed cmo is part of the enrollify podcast network if you like this podcast chances are you'll like other enrollify shows too our podcast network is growing by the month. And we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry best as your host. Learn from Mallory Wilsey, Seth O'Dell, Jenny Lee Fowler, Eddie Francis, and so many other of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.